Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. While summer break and holiday plans maybe couldn't come at a better time given all of the geopolitical issues and uncertainty around an anxious economy, Heading to the beach or the mountains or family vacation certainly seems like a perfect salve for sure. Welcome again to the most widely watched and longest running program on Carolina business policy and public affairs. I am Chris William and thank you for supporting this dialogue for more than 30 years. Seen each week across the Carolinas. This week we will unpack some of the biggest issues facing our community and we will start with our guest panel in a moment. And later on, the chief executive officer of one of the nation's largest credit unions. And we start right now. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, James McQuilla from the Orangeburg County Chamber of Commerce, Scott Hamilton of the Golden Leaf Foundation, and special guest, Jim Hayes, President and CEO of the State Employees Credit Union. Well, happy weekend. Gentlemen, this is kind of a landmark moment. Welcome back to the studio. This is kind of cool, right? Thank, Thank you. This is. Feels good. To nobody's be together again. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. anxious or nervous about anything? You no. feel the excitement in the building. Yeah. yeah. Well, you both look taller and more <laughs> handsome than I remember from the, no, I mean, everybody says that. Welcome. I'm, I'm being a little bit flippant, but James, let's, let's start with you. So as we kind of head into a summer, if, if we get some momentum going, uh, there still is kind of this bugaboo about an economy. And is there anxiousness? Do you feel like there's a recession around a corner? What does it look like? Well, I, I think there is a recession around the corner, but the fact that it's been two years for folks to actually get out and do something, we're seeing people take advantage of opportunities. Um, just recently, we had a large festival, the Roses uh, Festival in, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and it was attended in droves. And, uh, uh, and so, and people were spending money and having fun, families and all of that. But I think that's, that's gotta be tampered, uh, uh, tempered by the fact that uh, interest rates are up, uh, gas prices are still moving up and they're probably gonna continue to go up. And, uh, and so we're gonna have to see whether or not uh, uh, the general public is gonna be willing to do some of the things that it wants to do, or they're just gonna to have to continue to do what we have to do, um, so. Scott, is there a just feeling of whistling past the graveyard when we talk about the economy, but we look at our summer plans? 
The, I, I think James's point of uh, of recession is around the corner is a, is a good one. I think there's going to be a slowdown, but I also think people are going to adjust to it. And so instead of uh, driving further, uh, maybe um, going further away, they're going to look more. What what can they do in day trips? What can they do nearby? As as everybody is excited about being in the studio today, right? Yeah. Everybody is excited about getting out, and as the weather's good, you go by uh, restaurants that have outdoor patio seating, mm. uh, craft beverage manufacturers, and the breweries and the wineries, and all. You see lots and lots of people. They have missed and they crave that social interaction. So this, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Were well, you I, I was just going to say, so I think it's going to, on the uh, personal expenditure side, it's going to shift some. Business side, I think in a sense, if it affects and helps the supply chain move forward because people aren't buying as much, I think that could be a good thing as well. Do you think the supply chain is still an issue? I think it's still an issue, and, and, and we see that uh, in, in hospitality with some of the restaurants. Mm -hmm. You see it in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's still a slowdown in getting materials. So um, that, that's, that's still an issue. So the, the idea, as you talked about, Scott, that we are out spending money on vacations, this is now the second summer of that kind of that release of a pent-up mm -hmm. demand. And I, I'm looking at you, but James, uh, right. question for you as well. Um, how much more of this kind of, uh, you could call it record spending activity, mm -hmm. do we have in us? This summer, next summer, are we going to make it through this summer or are we going to run out of steam? Again, I'm, I'm going to have to give my personal answer, right? I, I think there's going to be quite a bit of spending this summer, but we're probably going to run out of steam. There's not going to be, I don't expect the federal government rescue money anymore. Um, you're, you're going to spend some money. I think Scott was right. A lot of it will be spent locally. So you may not see the trips going out of the country, but it will be spent in the country. Um, but uh, uh, next year, you're, you're probably going to see a lot, a shift back to normal. Yeah. Okay. What about? Go ahead, Scott. Well, I was just going to say, there's more money. People have more money in the banks because they haven't gone places, mm -hmm. and, and and they got out some last summer, but still, it was, it was kind of muted. I mean, there were masks and people were not as comfortable. There's a whole different sense, I think, this summer. But I think the challenge will be is as interest rates start going up, gas prices start going up, as James, James talked about, that, that cash in the bank is going to start to shrink and people are going to start paying attention to what they can and can't be doing. And so I do think mm -hmm. that there will be an impact. But I think they still currently are craving that, that sense of community. Yeah, because prices are higher, even though, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. we may have the cash, it'll, it'll dwindle quicker. Mm -hmm. We're having to pay more for things. When, when Golden Leaf makes a grant, when Golden Leaf commits to a project, does the use of the funds change now than it even did two years ago based on the new reality? So when, when we fund a project, we're going to look at uh, what are the outcomes. Um, our board looks at a couple of different things. At the end of the day, the outcomes are a clear path to job creation. Is the project sustainable after the Golden Leaf dollars have been deployed? And how does that project move the economic needle? And so as they look at those questions with projects that we fund, it's not going to change those dramatically. North Carolina has had a great opportunity with a number of large announcements. and Economic um, development? Yeah, and economic yeah. development announcements, yes, sir. And so the looking at how our programs fund workforce infrastructure, um, I, I don't think that 
what we funded two years ago to what we're funding today or even in the next year is going to change that much because of how we fund and what we fund in economic growth and opportunity. Mm -hmm. South Carolina policy is pretty much set now that this General Assembly has finished their session. Yes. What, what are you most encouraged about that they did this year? Is it, is it tax reform? Is it, is it something else that was unexpected? Well, I think for, for me, it was really more along the lines of some of the social ideas that came about. You know, it wasn't really tax reform, mm -hmm. um, but the fact that they wanted to look at putting money uh, into charter schools and um, uh, public funds and into the private schools also. Because, you know, we, we need to really take a serious look at um, uh, the best way to educate uh, the young people in our state. And, uh, and all those are options that in the past we may not have uh, particularly uh, um, had any interest in. But uh, this legislature did take a look at, at funding some uh, schools mm -hmm. a different way and funding different schools a different way. A lot of people still may not like that, but I think they don't like the outcomes that we're seeing right now um, uh, um, more. So Is that because Superintendent Spearman's been banging the drum so long, or was there just this pent-up demand to do something about education? I think it's a little of both. Uh, uh, Superintendent Spearman definitely saw the need. Um, you know, th there was also a need to, to pay teachers more, yeah, and that sure. took place. But uh, families need options. Parents need options, and uh, and they gave us options this year. Scott, same thing for North Carolina. The session's not over. Uh, well, one session is, but hmm. they're still making policy. Um, are, do you feel like education's going to be the biggest winner? You know, I think in the short sessions, they, they really come in and look at how the budget worked from long session as they get ready to start into the new um, fiscal year. I do think with some of the federal money that is out there, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, broad um, funding opportunities for the General Assembly to look mm -hmm. at, specifically towards education. I'm not sure how, how they would move forward in, in the short session, uh, but uh, they are going to have uh, some good decisions before them. Revenues in North Carolina are currently up. There's still some federal dollars that need to be assigned and deployed out to the communities, and I think that's where some okay. of the focus will be. We're going to have to draw the line there. Gentlemen, thank you. Stay with us, uh, please. Um, Coming up on this program, early July, certainly in the summer months, we will have a two-part program on not just the South Carolina port, but there's a change in leadership going on there. Jim Newsom's been the longtime CEO. Barbara Melvin is following him in. But we will have not just the uh, uh, former CEO, new CEO, but we'll have Harry Leitze, who is the Secretary of Economic Development in South Carolina, and also Secretary of Transportation in South Carolina, member of the governor's cabinet. Christy Hall will also join us. All of that coming early July. We want you to watch for that. Our guest, though, right now leads the second largest credit union in the U.S. This 85-year-old institution has over 50 billion in assets, serving a little bit more than 2.6 million North Carolina employees and affiliated state workers. His organization acts more like a community bank than it does a large corporate financial institution. Joining us now is the president and the chief executive officer of the State Employees Credit Union, Jim Hayes. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you. 
Thank you. That, that idea that you are more of a community bank than you are a large financial institution, your predecessor, Jim Blaine, sat right there yes. and said that with a lot of pride, so I'm assuming you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely, and I think you're gonna get that from a lot of credit unions, but for sure, uh, we have that home t hometown feel, and uh, we will continue to serve our members in a very uh, personal manner, and so that kind of gives us that hometown sort of feel and look for our members, and so uh, we, we don't want to lose that. That is definitely part of our identity. Jim, let me ask you to be a formalized banker right now, and uh, economic uh, e e economists are talking about that right now the eyes have it, and the eyes meaning inflation and interest rates. Right. How is that changing the near term of your, your constituents, your folks? Well, I would agree with what I've been listening to so far. Prices are up, inflation's up, it affects everybody, right? You can't go to the grocery store, you can't fill up your car with gas without noticing how inflation is affecting everybody. And at the same time, loan rates are up, and we can't deny that. So um, as rates go up, of course, that puts a little pinch on, on consumers because um, if you're in a fixed rate loan, you're feeling good. If you're in an adjustable rate loan, and a lot of credit card debt is in adjustable rate loans, um, so they're gonna start to feel some of that increase in loans. Um, so it's gonna start taking a little bit more money out of consumers' pockets, and so we gotta be careful with that. Will it, will it and one more follow-up, and I promise that y'all jump in here. It's gotta be good for the bank. It's gotta be good for you all. It expands your interest. Uh, it does, it does, it's good for our margins. I mean, we have a lot of cash sitting in the Federal Reserve, for example, and so as the Fed funds go up, we are earning more on those. So for mm -hmm. sure, it's gonna help us in the short term. Um, Long-term rates, uh, we, we, you know, as mortgage rates go up, and mortgage rates are today over 5% for the 30-year fixed, which has not been the case in many, many years, mm -hmm. um, will start to affect things like home prices and home demand and the ability for, for borrowers to buy in particular those first time home buyers and those that's an important group of people that we want to make sure we pay attention mm -hmm. to is can we get first time home buyers into a home and as rates start to creep up if they're if, if long term rates if, if mortgages are going to 6% or 7 it's going to be mm -hmm. very difficult to to get those folks into homes so we got to be careful with that and we are seeing more demand in our adjustable rate loans today because the 30-year fixed rate is going up. What's the current rate on the adjustable rate? Um, roughly, you're probably in you know three to four somewhere okay. around there. Um, so competitive. It depends if you're going to a five-year, 10-year, yeah. 15-year, but uh, it's pretty competitive. Yeah. yeah. So we're we have seen a shift in uh, demand away from 30-year fixed into adjustable mortgages. So we're, we've noticed that right away. Okay. James? Yeah, you know, I'm always promoting the, the interests of small business yes. uh, owners, and, and, uh, and we've seen so many people look at that as an opportunity and not just you know, and an option now. Mm -hmm. um, so banks have, have traditionally uh, done the, uh, the small business lending. What, what do you see uh, on the horizon for credit unions like yours? Sure, well, State Employees Credit Union as, uh, as an entity itself did not do business lending, but mm -hmm. we are gonna be doing business lending down the road. So we will be introducing that loan product um, probably in the next year, and hopefully we can um, do a lot of good with that. Credit unions as a whole though, definitely do business lending and small business lendings, and I, and I would encourage anybody, a small business owner, to reach out to a local credit union because uh, credit unions want to be connected to their local communities. Yes. They absolutely want to be local. And so to get a, a small business with a, uh, that can support the local community, 100% you will see a, a positive reaction out of credit unions. For us, again, we have a branch in all 100 counties of North Carolina, so 
when we do introduce business lending, we will be doing interest lending, uh, business lending throughout the state. Do you think it will automatically give uh, some options to current members who, who might be business uh, owners? Yeah, yeah, so for sure. And it's interesting, you talked about our state employees. We actually have found that over the, the past 20, 30 years, a large part of our growth in members are actually not state employees themselves, but it's their family members. Right. And those family members do have small businesses, and they are in the local communities. And so we we, we see a great demand with it uh, with our membership as well. So um, I would expect within a year or so, state employees credit union will be doing business lending throughout the state of North Carolina. Scott, how, how does state employees credit union in particular, but credit unions in general, especially across North Carolina, South Carolina, and the rural communities, help them really adjust to these new economic conditions? Interest rates up inflation up, how, how can the credit unions help rural communities? Well, I think, you know, speaking for us, I mean, we're in all the counties in North Carolina, mm -hmm. so we um, work a lot in rural communities. And so we have two couple things. I mean, number one, we're very favorable on our rates. I mean, we're still gonna be uh, as, as good as we can be in terms of competitive rates. Um, you're gonna have a local presence with a lot of credit unions in those rural communities, because we're not the only ones out there. The credit unions do spread throughout the rural areas and they wanna work with the rural communities. They wanna work with the local chambers and they wanna work with the local uh, community events and um, provide some of that. Now, we also have the state employees, um, our SECU foundation, which mm -hmm. we work throughout the state of North Carolina. And I think Golden Leaf has worked with us and, mm -hmm. and we've done a couple of things together. And um, we will continue to push that. That's one of the things we're so proud of at State Employees Credit Union is um, for a dollar a month on a checking account, we fund that entire foundation and we're giving away close to $18 million a year throughout the state of North Carolina, a lot of which is in rural communities um, to help them out. So whether it's scholarships or help funding a project or something, we can, we can we're working with that. And I think, again, I wanna speak highly of all the credit unions mm -hmm. in the state because uh, we're all trying to do similar things. We are larger and we can do a lot, we have a greater reach but even local credit unions that are much smaller than us are gonna have the same mission and the same task of wanting to work with that local community. How, how do you keep, Jim, how do you keep the brand of the, of the State Employee Credit Union that it's, uh, this, these are my words, but safe place, yeah. inexpensive, you're all part of the, the members and the families, but how do you remain competitive with other financial institutions? We'll use uh, uh, cyber uh, uh, cryptocurrency. Right. Um, how do you feel about that type of either shadow banking with PayPal or Zelle or any of these other things and then right. cryptocurrency? How do you embrace Well, in, that? in many ways, we can't ignore that those things exist and we have to, we have to figure out how to coexist with them, right? So um, as we develop our digital platforms and we will be developing our digital platforms further, we may offer a Zelle tool through our, our, our mobile app. And so, and many credit unions do that. Right. I mean, there's a lot of credit unions that will use a P2P like Zelle. Yeah. And then if Zelle itself is working with crypto, then that's available to a member, a credit union member. I don't know of a lot of um, credit union CEOs that want to put crypto on their balance sheet. It's still very <laughs> volatile and um, nobody's really wanting to jump on and put a big, uh, big pot of uh, cryptocurrency on our balance sheet. but if we can facilitate the payments of it and we can facilitate the digital payments and, and in that we will do so. And so I think there's a lot of work being done in those areas today. Mm -hmm. So it's about coexisting with them, right? We can't ignore that they're, they're out there. We have to figure out how to work with them because our members are just like every other consumer in the United States. They're interested in that. And right. we do know at our credit union, 
Uh, a lot of our members do deal in cryptocurrency. We actually can see it uh, flowing in and out of our payments channels. So um, we don't want to just ignore, ignore it and act like it's not there. Mm -hmm. James. Yeah, I want to touch uh, on the, the, the idea of community outreach again. Mm -hmm. Can you share some specific things? You mentioned the scholarships that you offer. Uh, what are some ways that you think um, each branch could be involved in their community. Oh, sure. Wow. So that's a that's a great question. I mean, we really do with a, with 275 branches throughout the state. Um, I have an expectation that all of our branch managers spend a certain amount of time out of the office and and in in the community. So I want them involved in in junior leagues and rotors and mm -hmm. chambers, any of the community, especially chambers, right? Absolutely, yeah. especially <laughs> chambers, especially. Yeah, like too patronizing. Yeah. You're pretty <laughs> But absolutely, because you know we're very like-minded and we want to support you all and, and want you to support us because right. we support business throughout the state. I mean, we want there to be a healthy amount of business throughout state, the state and all of our communities. And, and a, a healthy economy throughout all 100 counties of at least North Carolina uh, is something we're certainly motivated to promote. So education and, and a talented workforce is really the, uh, the foundational factors of communities. What else does the, uh, the credit union do to help rural communities in particular, but all communities, really sure. be economically prosperous and through education? Well, I mean, we do offer our scholarship program and we do a, a lot of scholarships every year. And, and, and Chris, I'd love for you to have the, the SECU Foundation on, on the, on because really the foundation has been working. And, and by the way, this was all part of Jim Blaine's, uh, you know, brainchild. I mean, it was a brilliant way to set this up. and. Uh, the foundation has done so much great work promoting education, housing, uh, lots of um, projects throughout the state. I mean, um, some of them for um, people who have just are of need, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to name certain ones, but um, on our website we can we can look at that. But I'd love to promote more of what the foundation's doing and. And even what we're doing with, with organizations like yours, because we don't do it by ourselves. Right. We do prefer to partner with local communities who are already working on a project and we can kind of come alongside and give them seed grants and help them to get started um, and get more involvement, right? Get more, because this, it takes a village and yeah. it really does. And so it's more than just us and it's more than just you all. It really, we want to get the community engaged. And so when we can partner with any of the local projects, whether it's housing or education, and, and those are two pretty big ones mm -hmm. for us uh, through the state, we, we want to be able to do that. You know, uh, we've got about two and a half minutes left. Jim, I want to, you hired recently Chief Cultural Officer. Yep. Is that to answer diversity, equity, inclusion, or is it something broader? And what is it? What is it doing? Uh, that's a great question. It's it, yes and yes. It's both um, to 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 be a part of our DEI efforts, but it's not just our DEI efforts. The culture is a very important aspect for me. I mean, uh, I, in the I'm, communities or within the bank? Well, within the credit union. Now, it may impact the communities because we're so spread throughout the state. Um, but no, we want to have. Um, our, D, our culture officer, Emma Hayes is her name, she's going to be developing leadership programs for our employees. We really want to prepare um, our up and coming leaders throughout the organization to become more broadly thinking, well-rounded mm -hmm. leaders, and, and to be quite honest, leaders in their communities as well. And so um, DEI is just one vertical amongst many verticals which is going to be in her responsibility. And so she's been on board for a month or so. 
uh, and just kind of getting her feet wet. But when we can create a, a leadership program that impacts leaders, our leaders, throughout the entire 100 counties of North Carolina, I think it will impact mm -hmm. um, communities as well. Because as, as our leaders become more confident as leaders and more are, are sort of broadly thinking and thinking outside the four walls of our credit union, they will start to positively impact their communities. And, and so it's a, it's a chief culture officer um, that it, it's it, DEIs, and, and we, I asked her this question a lot, it's just one sliver of the responsibility. It's, it's really more about leadership mm -hmm. development and, and really developing our staff. We, we have a minute left. Do you want to do a quick follow-up? Well, yeah. it, with what you were just saying, and the fact that you have 275 branches, 100 counties, what's workforce looking like for you all? Well, we have 7,100 employees um, throughout the state. And so we will continue, and, I, and you know, we can support rural counties that way. I think in some of those rural counties, we're probably the most you know, prolific employer in that county in some cases. Um, and we will continue to do that. But our workforce is doing great. Our, you know, through the pandemic, a lot of uh, credit unions and financial institutions have, in, you know, the great resignation. I don't know yeah, if you right. discussed that, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I mean, our our turnover rate was never been more than 10 or 11 percent, which is probably not bad. No. Um, and I certainly know that there are, are some of our peers that are much, much higher than that. So um, I think morale is high and everybody's feeling pretty good about where we're going and what we're doing. Especially the new leader, you think? Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel great. Okay. <laughs> You mean that new leader? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah no. uh, Jim, well, thanks for being on the program. Thank you. Clearly, Thank you. Uh, they, they picked a good guy that was kind of in the spirit of Jim Blaine. But, yeah. And I say that with all, with all uh, respect and deference. So thank, thank you. you for being on the program. Thank you so much. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to have you back. I'm sorry we had a couple right. of false starts, gentlemen, where you had to be flexible enough for us to reschedule. Right. Welcome back to yeah. the studio for, for us all. It's been, uh, it's been a great restart, but thanks to you for you both for traveling. Thanks for the opportunity. To see Thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you for watching our program. If you do have any questions or comments, carolinabusinessreview.org. I know it's long, but it'd be worth it. Past programs, and you can make comments as well. Uh, until next week, we hope that your summer starts out all right, and you have a good and safe weekend. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.